This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. I am joined by the entire crew today, David, Brady, and Jordan. We're going to be talking about the Panthers' 28-16 win over Texas State on the gridiron, their upcoming rivalry game, or quote-unquote rivalry game, depending on who you ask, with that school down south, as well as formally welcoming Southern Miss and Old Dominion to the Sun Belt after the first official applications to the conference have been accepted and announced. But first, gentlemen, how are we feeling this week? Look, my, my baseball team is in the World Series. I can only be so bad. And they, they won last night in Game 1. They're going to be playing as we're recording, and so I won't be able to respond to what happens in Game 2. So I feel like I'll just insert here, oh, no, we lost Game 2. And hell yeah, we won Game 2. or 2-0 up in the series. So whichever actually happens by the time you listen to this, I've given you my response to whatever happens. The bets have been hedged. We love the confidence. David, how are we doing this week? Well, my team's not in the World Series, um, but I'm ex- at least excited for Brady's team to be in the World Series. Brady was, I lived with Brady back when the Cubs were in the World Series. So um, I know fairly well what he's thinking and feeling without him actually saying it. Um, so, you know, best of luck, I guess, to the Braves and just, you know, Enjoy the moment is all I can really say about that. I mean, that that is where I'm at. Like, I know that that's the big worry, and I definitely can attest that there's a lot of people on Braves Twitter that are not necessarily rolling with the moment. And, you know, they are feeling the pressure. They're feeling the stress of it all. And individual moments in all these games, I'm still there. Like, whenever there's a big ending coming up or, you know, it was really frustrating last night when Charlie Morton got hurt on just a fluke thing. I had to leave the game in the third inning. But, like, throughout, I've really just been like this – postseason's gravy the braves quote-unquote aren't supposed to be here and series by series they've just been playing better than the other team and getting there and i feel like that was the cheat code all along was just to not go in with this huge pressure because like the last few postseasons the braves have been there and there's been that weight of pressure and i think it even expands down to the team at times and i don't know that that's there as much as it has been i think partly because they won a series for the first time since 2001 last year but like it's just been a nice run and, you know, it just keeps getting better and better. And I guess hopefully they see it out in the end and bring Atlanta a title. And, uh, you know, last but not least, Jordan, checking in, homie, check in. How are we hanging this week? Well, I'm not a baseball person, so I have absolutely no feelings about the World Series, but it's cool to see my friends excited about it. So uh, good for you guys. It'll be interesting to watch. Other than that, I've been doing pretty well. Got some exciting stuff coming up to uh, look forward to and while i'm not a baseball fan i am a georgia state fan and uh we're gonna get into that in a little bit but nice uh, nice showing last weekend by the panthers yeah i was gonna nice segue into that i was about to ask if you want to take us through give us a you know just a brief recap um on the scenes uh from this past weekend of georgia state football action Absolutely. So if you missed the game, Texas State took advantage of a slow start by the Panthers to jump out to a 6-0 lead. But Georgia State answered the adversity with two touchdowns in a matter of two minutes and took an eight point lead early in the second quarter. The Bobcats made it as close as 14 to 13, but the Panthers never gave the lead back, winning in the end 28 to 16 after outscoring Texas State 14 to 3 in the second half. We do have available on our Patreon accessible to everyone as a special preview of our coverage over there. The uh, 
Thursday postgame show where David and Brady go into a lot more detail about their thoughts on the Texas State game, as well as the Thursday after piece, which is available on our website and on Patreon for everyone, as well as part of a preview for that. So if you want to check out more of our thoughts, you can go see those. But gentlemen, do you have anything you want to talk about here? I just think the overwhelming takeaway from this game for me is there's a lot that Georgia State could have done better. But at the end of the day, they won by 12. They got the win. And this part of the season was about refinding whatever wasn't working in the one and four star for Georgia State. But it was also just about getting in the win column again. And so you can only really feel so bad when, yes, there's things that could have been better. You have a certain standard you want to reach. And it probably didn't need to be that even close of a game late. But it was. And it doesn't really matter because you still you got the win. That is important, too. Uh, you know, the season for Georgia State has probably been a little bit rockier than we expected. Um, I think what were our predictions for 80-something in the, like, 8 to 10 win range? I, we both had 9-3. I know I did. So, yeah. Okay. As soon as I got that fourth loss, it was like, well, I just hope we don't talk about this on the pod because that would be pretty embarrassing. But you've gone and ruined that. So, it is what Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. You know, we got to have our own personal uh, content vault, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is I don't think we've truly made it until we're just completely off on a prediction that's either too negative or too positive. And I don't think we've done either of those really. And so, in a way, we kind of made it now. Exactly. We were hysterically wrong and it happens. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I shouldn't uh, say hysterically wrong because – Theoretically, eight wins is still on the table. There's a lot that has to go into that, but there's a world where we're only one win off and it doesn't look nearly as what it might have a couple weeks ago. And that's kind of the point that I'm trying to bring up with this is these games are important because they tell you a lot about where your head is at, especially coming off of some of those tougher contests. You know, I still remember after the, with the army game where Georgia state had like seven rushing yards, they had more than that, but you know, we had legitimate questions about, hey, is this team going to have those struggles running the ball like they had last year? You know, are they really that far removed from that record setting year that they had in 2019? And they have now just gone and become the third best rushing team in the conference, you know, and part of that is impressive because one team that's ahead of them, Georgia Southern, all they do is run the ball, you know. So I, I think these games are important. And this, you know, this next one coming up where Georgia State is probably going to be favored, not probably, they are favored. You know, they're important because the season could have been derailed after the App State game. Absolutely could have. And by all accounts, they have, you know, made adjustments. They've found the quarterback that has been able to move the ball. They've been able to get the running game going back to being, you know, an upper level Sunbelt running team. And, you know, the defense. Honestly, the defense has had its ups and downs, but the last couple of weeks they've made enough plays to where the numbers look significantly better. And, you know, the team is playing really well right now, and that's important. Yeah, and I, I you talk a lot about the running game there, and that's obviously important. But I also think as we have been looking for in this pod last few weeks, we've seen back-to-back games where the passing game was really there with Darren Granger at the helm. and. Saw a lot more good. There were still a couple plays, as I alluded to, with stuff that was missing. There was one touchdown that, you know, Darren Granger had. If he just throws a post route to Jamari Thrash, just like five yards less deep, he hits him perfectly. He's tried. It's a 65-yard touchdown in third quarter and big explosive play. Um, But the passing game has still been just 
so much better than it had been and so much more diverse than it had been. And that's just as important. And, you know, I made that point to you when we were doing the postgame show is just that it felt like at times the passing game really needed to be there on Saturday to help set up the run game. And then at a certain point in the third quarter, the run game for Georgia State really just started getting going and bearing down and that we've seen that drive in the fourth quarter that lasted seven minutes so in the clock uh multiple times now under sean elliott and this one was just unique because they didn't finish it off with points because it kind of stalled out the 20-ish yard line and there was a really weird bad snap through all the timing off on field goal no just didn't have a chance on it and you know i guess that kind of left the game open momentarily but it still never got back to one score Texas State fumbled in the red zone, and I thought that was important for a few reasons. It was kind of the same thing as Georgia State not having any turnovers against ULM and winning that turnover battle to nothing. The second turnover there in the fourth quarter, the one that was the Shamar McCollum forced to fumble, Dante Wilson recovered it, was the second one which gave Georgia State the 2-1 lead in forcing turnovers against Texas State, and it kept that score at 16, and David definitely made this point uh, a Saturday as well, that it felt important just that they got to have a game where they only scored when they only allowed 16. Yeah, and, you know, I, I know that we talk a lot about how good process is better than good results. Sometimes you just need a game where your process might not be the best and the results are just better. I mean, this is a perfect example of that. I think the way that McBride played the Texas state quarterback, I mean, he had a really good game. You know, he was 27 of 47, 255 yards and one interception, which was a terrible interception. I think the wide receiver didn't know that it was a a outside post instead of a inside post, but whatever. Um, But, you know, Georgia State through like three quarters, didn't have any turnovers recovered. Um, They kept them at they kept them at field goals a few times, which, you know, coach mentioned how that's really important because, you know, you're giving away points if you're settling for field goals. And that's exactly what Texas State did. Um, But this was still really important for Georgia State defensively, just because. Sometimes you just need a game where guys are moving all up and down the field against you and you're forcing field goals and then getting red zone turnovers to where the final numbers don't look that good for them. And that's exactly what this was. It's very important for the psyche. Yeah, and I think with McBride, the thing that I was able to notice more immediately as I was watching it back was they started putting a spy on him. It was mostly Blake Carroll, but in the first two quarters... McBride got away for some scrambles and especially on their touchdown drive in the second quarter, he really got broke contained. There's guys out in the passing route, all the routes were spread out. And so the entire middle of the field was just there for the taking. And he got two first downs and then the touchdown on that drive. And immediately in the second half, there was a spy, basically every play, uh, at least every passing down. And McBride was pretty covered in the running game from then on. And I think he got away for 17 yards on the final drive that didn't get any points in the end for Texas State, but it got some losses on plays. I know there was one play that Blake Carroll got a tackle for a loss or a sack, whichever it got classified as, where he was the spy and no one blocked him and McBride was kind of in no man's land with passing and running and Blake was like, Yeah, okay, I'll come I'll come attack the quarterback and just took him down in the backfield for a loss. And you know, it changed the game, I think. I think that that was something that would have been a well that Texas State would have probably kept going back to, but Georgia State adjusted to it and that stopped being as much of a factor. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you use that word adjustments. It's sometimes I feel like the Georgia State has been slow to adjust in different ways 
both offensively and defensively, but I think they've done a really good job of late, you know, specifically in the passing game, their versatility that they've used. I mean, you know, we, I, I really look forward to our kind of review of the season because I've just been so impressed with the combination of Thrash and Dixon on the outside, you know, and just the ability for whichever quarterback to just find those guys and have them make plays. You know, I think uh, another way that Georgia State adjusted was Tucker Gregg. You know, we see him as kind of like the, okay, he's just going to put his head down and go forwards running back. But there are like three or four runs, you know, and you highlighted one of them that I I don't even think we grabbed the clip of um, and put it online, but you highlighted one. Uh, in your Thursday after piece where he just kind of like went to the pile a little bit and then just like kept turning those legs and was like, okay, it's not here. So I'm just going to go outside. And, you know, that's not necessarily his running style, uh, but that's those mid game adjustments, mid run adjustments. I mean, those things are super important to keep, you know, drives going that 99 yard drive that they had the second down play from like their own six was another one of those Tucker Greg runs, you know? So, adjustments are going to be the key for Georgia state going forward, you know, and just obviously the, if they can continue to run the ball, like they have, I mean, they're going to be a really tough team to beat. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to say on this game was just, there was the one sequence on that 99 yard drive that I just loved. And I think is a credit to, I don't know if it was mid game coach Glenn seeing he had an opportunity to do this, or if this was the game plan going in, but they ran four straight screen passes. Three of them were, I think, the exact same play, the, like the bubble screen to the outside. It was a mix of Thrash and Dixon, and they were carving up Texas State in that way. And so Texas State started having a guy kind of shade over from sitting in the box to going that way because that's where they've been getting killed. There's no, I think the safety on the other side was just, I don't know, I think he was just in the wrong position because I don't think that that's how they necessarily ended up. But, I mean, you looked at it on that play. It was at the 18-yard line. There were five guys in the box. No one else was going to be in the area. He just ran it up the gut with Jam, and he didn't get touched. It was one of the easiest touchdowns he's going to score. And I thought it was really a brilliant job of getting all that going on the outside and then being like, oh, yeah, by the way, our bread and butter is this running the ball up the middle and you guys just evacuated the middle of the field. So we'll definitely take this touchdown. I, I thought it was really, really good work there and designed your way to an easy score and the one that gave you the lead that you'd never give back up. So moving on to this weekend's matchup, of course, Georgia Southern in Statesboro, Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern at Paulson Stadium, available on ESPN+. The Eagles are 2-5 and five on the season, currently led by interim coach Kevin Whitley after Chad Lunsford was let go earlier in the fall. Whitley is 1-2 and two at the helm. Panthers lead the rivalry series, quote-unquote, all-time 4-3 to three and are 2-1 and one in Paulson Stadium. Georgia Southern has uh, struggled this season, we'll say, with their only wins against FCS Gardner-Webb and a 1-6 Arkansas State. It is up in the air whether Justin Tomlin or Cam Ransom will start for the Eagles at quarterback, but it's not in doubt that Georgia Southern will look to run the ball early and often. On the flip side, the Eagles are the worst team by some margin in the conference in both pass offense and pass defense. On the Georgia State side of things, the news broke this afternoon as of recording that senior running back Destin Coates has entered the transfer portal. Destin is the current number two all-time career leader in rushing yards at Georgia State with 1,638 and rushing touchdowns as well with 16. So, gentlemen, Georgia Southern, how are we feeling? First of all, can we get this out of the way? I don't know what the trepidation that some Southern fans might have about labeling it like this, but 
I feel like we should just go ahead and state that it is maybe just I, I don't necessarily want to speak for everybody else on the call or on the pod, but I think that there's no reason to not call this a rivalry. It's so well, I don't I don't think it's a Georgia Southern fan thing. I think they're I've seen enough fans that are like, oh, God, why are we doing this again when they saw those quotes come out? So there there are some quotes from the players, uh, Georgia Southern this week, I think. Someone was like, oh, everyone thinks that we're their Super Bowl. There's another one that was like, it's not a rivalry. And like very clear that like the line from the school for the program is that it's not a rivalry. And yeah. And funnily enough, on the uh, Sunbelt call this week, (laughs) Coach Whitley, Georgia Southern's head coach, called it a rivalry. So it felt like there was some mixed messaging going on as well, just in general. It just seems like there's a lot of like, we don't really know what to do with this, which I think you're overthinking it, guys. I think it just should be a rivalry, and that's fine. It's okay to have rivalries with teams that you are geographically close to, that you play consistently and close like games in every like major sport. Like it is okay me, to recognize that it is a rivalry. Let me. I don't. Whatever. I don't. We're not going to try and sell Georgia Southern players or fans that are listening to this. Thanks for listening. On yeah. it being a rivalry, because I mean the facts are pretty there to, and, and if you're just ignoring them, that it is what it is. But I'm gonna go pragmatic with you. It's very clear that Georgia State views this as a rivalry. It's very clear that it's a game every year that they're looking at and they're circling. And you've seen social media posts from Georgia State players being like, "Ready for Saturday." If that's the case, why would you opt out of that? Particularly when you're having a two and five season and things aren't going well. It feels like you're giving up an advantage, a, a part of juice that you could take for this game. It just seems like kind of silly culture planning. Like, I, I don't know what to say. I just I think that even if you want to ignore the facts, it just doesn't really make sense to me to take that tact. I mean, if you're not going to do it, Georgia State's still going to. I, I feel like the only, I guess, pragmatic uh, reason that this is something that they do is the current iteration of the Sun Belt was formed in 2014. Um, Georgia Southern, of course, was the Sun Belt champion that year. Yay, woo, okay, whatever. That, combined with the FCS National Championships, which have not occurred since, what, the year 2000? Um, According to them, that is the only thing in their trophy case or whatever that matters, as Georgia State has can lay claim to neither of those. Um, you know, Georgia State also does not have a 10-win season. You know, I think all of that is true and fair, but I just, I it, it is hard for me to understand how you're trying to little brother somebody who, by all accounts, after that initial mouth punch in 2014, which definitely was a mouth punch and sucked to be at. Georgia State has been there every year. They have been when the two teams have played outside of uh, what 2018, when that was just a really bad year for Georgia State and a really good year for Georgia Southern. State has been in every game, um, and even in 2019, was it 2019 with Dan Torres ACL? Okay, you beat Georgia State at home when Georgia State had half a QB. Uh, all right, congratulations. You know, like. I feel like Georgia Southern, if if it's a messaging thing, all right, cool. That's weird, but do you, I guess. But, you know, I see it from the fans, too. Like, Southern fans feel the heat, too. You know, they know that Georgia State is in a very good position to be one of the better teams in the conference going forward. They they probably are – I don't want to say they're jealous of Georgia State's rise because, you know, that's – whatever. You 
they're a different team, but it's just, they know that Georgia state's not going anywhere and they want to still hold their hat on, you know, their history and claim that Georgia state doesn't have history. So that's where the, you know, Oh, you're not the rival comes in. And then also it's October 27th. This is a rivalry week and Georgia state has played Georgia Southern, not on rivalry week, like three times of the seven. So that's another thing. Hey, I don't think, and again, Georgia Southern fans can believe what they want. It's not about convincing the unconvincible, whatever. App State is their biggest rival, and I don't think there's any issue with saying that. Like, they've got a lot of history. They've played a lot of important games against each other. Each of them has knocked the other off of a big pedestal, whether that's number one ranking in FCS or when App State has been ranked. That's happened a couple of times uh, since both teams have become FBS. So that's definitely true, and I don't think that the case is being made that Georgia State should somehow be their biggest game on their schedule. It just seems a little bit silly to just kind of be like, we're better than this. We're not in a rivalry with Georgia State. I mean, it's a team that's got a better record than you head to head. Like, you you don't necessarily get to claim superiority when you haven't been superior. And, you know, that's kind of rehashing what David said, but it just, it's okay to have multiple rivalries. A lot of schools have multiple rivalries. It probably helps that, you know, we when those games come up, you've got a game that you're looking forward to. to it's going to be juiced that week. I'm certainly sure that that's the case with Georgia State this week as they've practiced. And, you know, by the way, not for nothing, in other years when Georgia Southern hasn't had you know, as good of teams, Georgia State's been, I think, the game they've had more people at. And they have people come when Georgia State plays them in basketball. And, you know, they sell out. Hanner Fieldhouse when it's there and they send a decent group up to Atlanta when they play about like everything about it it's the if it looks like a duck it sounds like a duck it smells like a duck it's a duck like it's a rivalry and that's fine and you can think it's number two in your hierarchy but it just kind of seems sort of silly to ignore the reality like that and this isn't to say to start this whole conversation that we're going to be like relitigating the whole state southern argument and going into you know, the the Twitter reply discourse in the Georgia State, Georgia Southern, like Twitter sphere, because that's just not what we're about. But I mean, like when it comes to. Well, yeah, I mean, Ben, field, friend of the pod, Ben Moore is the only Georgia State fan, so he's the only oh, one who's going to do that. So famously, famously is uh, the only Georgia State fan on Twitter. So we definitely aren't going to step into that domain and pretend to be something we're not. <laughs> um, all this to say that, like, I think when it comes down to comparing the teams based on the product they put on the field this year, this is a team that Georgia state on paper should have no problem handling. I mean, they, the, the talent gap is there. Georgia Southern has clearly had an up and down year administratively. I mean, they've, they fired their coach mid season. Uh, they're kind of in a bit of a, a, a transition period in terms of some, you know, some uh, major players have either left the program or, you know, whatever have you, whatever you want to say about the, you know, the, the, the storied or not so storied rivalry between the two schools. I think if you look at from a, uh, just from a pure X's and O standpoint, Georgia state has had this game circled on their, uh, on their schedule all year. And I think if you look at it from the trajectory, both teams are entering this, this weekend, I don't think it's far fetched to say that Georgia state should handily beat Georgia Southern by at least double digits. I don't think that's far-fetched to say either. Um, do I think that that's what's going to happen? No. Uh, would that surprise me? Also, no. As I sit here right now, the line is currently minus six and a half in favor of Georgia State. 
I did check, albeit it was a little bit weird and difficult to check. That would be Georgia State's highest level of favorability in this rivalry series in the eight games. And like, if you look at where these two teams are, saying that Georgia State is a touchdown favorite over Georgia Southern makes a lot of sense. Um, now, Georgia Southern has been a little bit better at defending the run than they have the pass, but this is the worst pass defense in the conference. Um, it's not particularly close. I'm not saying that I necessarily expect Aaron Granger to have a 300-yard passing game or whatever. Georgia State's going to run the ball because that's what they do. But the passing game should absolutely be there for Georgia State because Georgia Southern is not really stopping a lot of people when it comes to throwing the ball. Georgia Southern has given up the following yard totals with teams. To Garner Webb, 365 yards. Passing, by the way. To Arkansas, 364. To Arkansas State, 453. To South Alabama last week, 405. Again, this is a really bad passing defense. So, I, I just... Everything about where Georgia State has been recently and everything that I feel like Georgia Southern is right now as well just leads me to believe if this game isn't close, it's probably only because of rivalry game factors and some internal juices because we're talking about 18 to 22 year olds. Yeah, I mean, I am also, you know, I'm skeptical to say I think it will be a Georgia State comfortable win just because that is the nature of these games and after all that, I do think once they line up, no matter what they've been saying during the week, I do think that there is going to be some extra sauce for the Georgia Southern players because they'll get out there lined up and be like, wait, we do really dislike these guys. It is a rivalry and they might quietly still keep it to themselves, but that's fine. The, the interesting thing, you know, we've seen a lot of growth from Darren Granger and he's kind of taken this job for his own, but I think Georgia State fans have still the best appearance the best game they've seen from Darren Granger he was wearing a Furman uniform he absolutely torched Georgia State secondary the 2019 game when he played at Georgia State Stadium as it was then known and he's had some good performances against ULM and Texas State this last game but he hasn't had a game as good as that could this Saturday be that game it very well could if he's able to stay upright in the pocket if the offensive line does the job they're supposed to do there should be opportunities, as David was talking about, for the passing game. And I've, another week, hopefully we see even more healthy Sam Pinckney because he made a nice catch in this last game. But, you know, we've made no shortage of mention of just how good of a job guys like Jamari Thrash, guys like Jakaius Cradle have been doing. And now we're seeing more involvement from the tight ends in the passing game. It's a situation where... Yes, I think that Georgia State is going to look to run the ball because that's just their DNA. That's what they want to do. But I think if they get the opportunity, I think might be there. You might be able to see the game where there's these big chunk play after chunk play in the passing game. And there's just guys in between zones wide open and Darren can make the throws. And it could be a situation where on the next pod, we're talking about, you know, a new leader in the Darren Granger games that Georgia State fans have seen. It certainly is possible. And I mean, I feel like we've only talked about the Southern defense. Um, at least I have only talked about the Southern defense for one very specific reason. Um, the offense has not been what they in Statesboro would call good. Um, they certainly have struggled to put points on the board. 
Um, and now granted Troy probably has one of the best defense in the country. Um, and they scored 24 points on not country, but conference. Um, they scored 24 points on Troy. Um, they forced, uh, Justin Tomlin to actually throw 22 times and, you know, he threw 210 yards. It's kind of weird seeing from a Georgia Southern quarterback, but 33 yards was their high mark for rushing attempts. Um, I just, I don't know if Georgia Southern is going to win this game. If they rush for under a hundred yards as a team, I, I can't see it happening truthfully. Um, I don't want to sit here. Oh, go ahead. The thing that I think that Georgia state's got some stout guys up front and, you know, they've been putting a lot of work at that guys like Thomas Gore had really good games on a Saturday against Texas state. But the thing that's been impressing me is I can't think of a time other than maybe when like a quarterback broke contain where Georgia state's defense has gotten beat to the edge in the running game. And a lot of what Georgia Southern is going to want to try to do. I mean, it's not really the triple option as traditionally it's more kind of a shotgun offense and they, they run some option looks, but it's still, they're going to want to have plays where they can get on the outside with, you know, whether it's a pitch man or whether it's the quarterback on a design run or an end around or whatever. And, Georgia State's done a really good job of not getting fooled by reverses and stuff like that or not losing the edge. And if it's another game where that happens and if they're ready for runs to the outside, off-tackle runs, those type of weird misdirection looks, and if they're not getting fooled, another game of that would bode very well for Georgia State in stopping the Georgia Southern run game. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's the key with Georgia State's defense. I've liked what I've seen out of them the last couple of weeks. I hope that continues. I think App State was kind of the last time that they got that like beat over the top. If they got beat, on, it was kind of they got beat underneath. Um, I, I find it funny that you, Brady, and I have just been like on opposite ends each week of where our criticism lies. Uh, I think you said in the uh, post game show that you thought that the cornerbacks didn't do as good a job. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that they were perfect or, you know, there were some plays where they were definitely out of position. Um, but this is going to probably be another game where they look better than they have. That's one of their opportunities to look the best that they have all year, just because the pass rush might get there. And, you know, this is going to be another time where the Georgia state defensive line wants to get those sacks. Cause the numbers are ticking up. I think they've had what three in back-to-back weeks. So the numbers are definitely ticking up. And I think that not getting beat over the top will be an important thing for the Georgia state pass defense, because I, they are passing the ball more since Kevin Whitley has took over head coach. I don't know if that's a distinct philo- philosophical difference, or if that's just been situationally, that's how the game's worked out. But they're passing it more than they had been. They're still not necessarily an efficient passing team. They're not prolific. But it's an offense that, you know, it's sort of like how it was with Darren Granger, the Charlotte game, where it wasn't really a full passing playbook. Like, I think their hopes would be that they can hit some big shots in the passing game, and that's what opens it up. And I think if it's a situation where you're asking whoever is quarterback for Georgia Southern to kind of do what Brady McBride was doing and look for the guy, pick it 15 yards at a time, get a shot play, you know, not get a shot play, but get just inch by inch down the field. Georgia Southern's not going to be as prepared to do that. They're just, that's not how their offense is wired. It's not what they excel at in the passing game. And so if you're making them beat you in, you know, obvious passing situations, they're not necessarily going to be able to do that as well 
as what Texas State was able to do at times and what some other teams have done against Georgia State. And so I I think that the emphasis was going to be on, you know, maybe softer coverage over the top, just making sure everything's in front of you, not getting beat because even if a guy's open, there's no guarantee that Georgia Southern quarterback can make the throw there to the open guy down, you know, midfield. Uh, so I think that you're going to see more of that. And then where you'd get into danger is if you do lose contain, like has happened, happened in the UL long game, some where someone gets open downfield and they hit a shot because it's, a, it's still a home game for them. So any momentum plays like that are going to feed the crowd that's there in a year where, you know, losing this game would put them at six losses to where they couldn't lose another game and go to a bowl, which, you know, it's looking unlikely for them at this point. This is one of the last big things they'll have to go for where the fans are going to be like at the end of the year, they're going to say they beat at least one of their rivals and they're probably going to want to have a say about beating App State later in the year. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I think that anytime that they can get a big play like that, you know, aside from just you don't want to give up big plays, it feels like big plays always feed the home crowd. And so you'd want to avoid it from that point of view as well. So just all around keeping it in front of you, make them march down the field and put together long drives because I don't think, especially on the passing side, they're necessarily designed to be able to do that. All right. So one last major item to discuss this week, of course, if you have been living under a rock, conference realignment is a thing and it has finally officially reached the Sun Belt. On Tuesday, the now long rumored addition of Southern Miss to the Sun Belt Conference was made official at a press conference in Hattiesburg and it was followed today as of recording the podcast by the official announcement that Old Dominion would be joining the conference as well. Both are making the move from the market haven known as Conference USA. Georgia State has never played Southern Miss in football and are own to all time against the Monarchs of ODU. Old Dominion, of course, former conference mates of the Panthers in basketball, and the men's teams of both USM and ODU have played Georgia State in non-conference play home and away since the Panthers joined the Sun Belt. Additionally, both schools will fit in among the top schools in the league in baseball, as each is coming off an appearance in the 2021 NCAA tournament. So... Gentlemen, these two official ads to the Sun Belt as of uh, currently, how are we feeling about them? I mean, it's interesting seeing the order in which a lot of these uh, proposed sort of rumored additions are trickling in. Like, it could obviously get Southern Miss and ODU in the mix now. We have it officially confirmed. Um, like you said, Georgia State and ODU sort of have that a little bit of history from their time in the CAA, mostly on the basketball side. I definitely remember um, those ODU and GSU teams uh, definitely battling um, towards the end of when the Georgia State was towards the end of when Georgia State was in the CAA at the very beginning of my tenure at Georgia State. So I'm um, interested to see how those two mix in uh, specifically for basketball for me. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, baseball and, uh, you know, other sports other than just football are at, at play here. Um, so interesting to see those get into the mix. But um, by and large, all the uh, sort of Southern Miss and ODU folks that we've interacted with on Twitter have been excited about the move. Um, shout out to uh, to friend of the pod, Scott, for uh, landing his gig covering Southern Miss down in Hattiesburg. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is sort of the what we believe is sort of the first step of a uh, larger sort of Sunbelt expansion. But good to get these two into the mix and uh, sort of have that um, first half of the expansion taken care of. But I'm interested to hear the other two, uh, the, the rest of you guys' thoughts. 
it gets weird because, you know, when we talked a few years ago when UConn left the American, um, we had this idea that, okay, it makes a lot of sense for where Georgia State probably is going to go join that conference. And like, I mean, you did it like you started a football program in 2010 and, you know, you elevated your basketball program kind of in that same timeline. And you are in what many considered to be the best G5 conference, you know, and in basketball, I mean, the American conference is barely a mid-major conference at all. You know, that, you know, they don't call it the power six for nothing. With these additions and kind of the pillaging of both the American and Conference USA, a legitimate argument can be made that starting in 2023 or whenever these guys you know come on in, uh, that the Sunbelt Conference is going to be the best conference um, out of all of the group of five. Um, and it feels weird saying that because, you know, you still have to go on ESPN plus to watch the games. You know, it's all, all of that broadcast is done by the schools. You know, you, there are some crazy fan bases in the Sun Belt, and there are some not so crazy fan bases in the Sun Belt. So you, you wouldn't expect that to be the case, but the quality of football in the conference has just gone on a very nice upward trajectory the last three, four years. I think the quality of basketball has the ability to follow suit. Um, the conference is too top heavy and the additions so far probably help that. I know ODU and Southern Miss are decent to good in basketball. Um, you know, Brady probably could shed a little bit more light on that uh, when it's his turn. But all in all, I think these moves have been good for the conference. And I mean, as long as the conference continues to grow and continues to get better, like I said, they're, they're well on their way to replacing the American as the best uh, group of five conference. Yeah. I mean, I just want to start by thanking the schools for, you know, spacing it out. I mean, we've got a podcast. We don't want to spend too much time every week on stuff. So this is a nice division of content for us. Just the way it worked out that there's two teams we can officially talk about. So thank you. Southern Miss and Old Dominion. Yeah, I, you asked about basketball, and I definitely think that Old Dominion will enter as one of the top two, three basketball schools, you know, give or take how you rank them versus Marshall right now, just, you know, on balance. And it's a team that has been one of the better teams at this level that Georgia State has played a few times in basketball and non-conference. They definitely did it in, they played up in Virginia I think lost by two, something like that, and played them close down here. This was like 2015, 16. So this is the years when Georgia State was going to tournaments, and these were some of the better games that got them ready for Stumbelt play. And so I think having them as a conference mate in basketball will be a very good thing. I think they're going to add something to the top of it. And like you say, it might make some of the teams that have been finishing the top three, top four in the Sunbelt more like the fifth or the sixth team. And that's good. That's how you get growth is by having the teams that come in and it spreads out the, the, the wealth, so to speak, and hopefully pushes those teams that maybe get jumped in the standings to be like, well, we want to be that good in basketball again. And so they start trying to get back up into the upper echelon. Um, football. It's interesting. Cause uh, I'm not sure how much ODU fans have been keeping tabs with Georgia State. Um, I know that they've gone through some coaching changes of late and had some rough seasons. And I know that they did not play football in 2020 um, because of the COVID pandemic and all. So I think it's funny. I think that 
the reversal of fortunes with the football programs could not be much more different as far as where they were and where they are now. Uh, I'm interested to see what this move does for that football program. Maybe sparks a little bit uh, because, you know, they're going to be joining the East and they're, you know, it's not a division that's going to be set up for anyone to just kind of skate by or you're going to lose basically every conference game because it's setting up to be a pretty, just a, a deep, deep East division in football. And so I, I'm not counting them out in it just based on recent results. They haven't necessarily been as good as they've been, but, you know, they were going to FCS playoffs deeper in the FCF playoffs. The current Washington quarterback, Taylor Heineke, is an alum of Old Dominion. And he played at Old Dominion when Georgia State was at the C- in the CAA. I definitely remember seeing him play and just absolutely torch the 2012 Georgia State uh, defense. Yeah, he and had so, a great run I mean, in the FCS uh, playoffs that year, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, I, I think that was the year. It was the yeah, year I think before. he set the record for passing yards in a season that year. The, probably. He was, yeah, and I remember right. him from Collins Hill as well. So he, he specifically has a lot of deep connections to the state of Georgia in general. Um, but yeah, I, and Southern Miss I know less about, and I think that they are currently kind of in a dip in form as to where they've been historically, but... I think the number is like before 2011, they had had seven losing seasons total and they'd had football since I think the 1930s. So it's a program that traditionally has been very good in football. And I think they have got Will Hall there in his first year as head coach. And I think they like what he is bringing to the program. And I think that they think he will be the next good football coach at Southern Miss. And so it's another one where they're joining the West. The West is maybe a little bit more open and interested to see how that shakes out but yeah i I think that it's two teams that you can look at and you can see the reasons they got added you can see that there's going to be some new excitement with teams that you think made the main sport football hopefully better but also definitely made basketball better as far as odu and both of them make baseball better and so definitely no complaints here by the way, I just looked it up. So uh, Taylor Heineke set the record uh, for Division One uh, single game passing yards, seven hundred thirty yards. Division One total offense of seven hundred ninety-one yards. Uh, the first first Division One quarterback in Virginia to pass for over ten thousand career yards. Then FBS records, third in FBS total career offense, fourth in career touchdown passes, sixth in career uh, FBS passing yards. And then an FCS holds first place in single season passing yards, single season completions, playoffs, total offense and playoffs, touchdown passes. Dude was prolific. That is that is ridiculous. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, before we get you out of here this week, we did want to, of course, do our Sports Bits segment. Go ahead and start off by saying Homefield Apparel, who makes uh, some pretty high-quality, good-looking vintage college athletic apparel. You can go check them out, homefieldapparel.com. Launched a Georgia State collection on Tuesday alongside collections from Troy, Furman University, and Lamar, and had a little bit of a friendly challenge to see which fan base could buy the most merch in the first 24 hours, and Georgia State came out ahead. So uh, good job, Panther family, buying some uh, really cool-looking swag. So go check that out if you haven't already. Good-looking designs. Like them a lot. And, of course, in competition this upcoming week for Georgia State, we've got all sorts of stuff on deck, starting with tonight, or this afternoon, rather, as of 
the release of this podcast, men's soccer at number 19, West Virginia in Morgantown at 3 p.m. on ESPN+. So if you're an early listener of the podcast, you should still be able to check this one out. Friday, women's cross country uh, in Mobile, volleyball versus UT Arlington at home in the sports arena at 6.30 p.m. And then Saturday, big day for Georgia State. we got softball versus Georgia Highlands at the Bob Heck Softball Complex at noon and at 2 p.m. little doubleheader action going on there. And then the big one, football at Georgia Southern in Statesboro at Paulson Stadium, 6 p.m. ESPN Plus, WRAS 88.5 FM with Dave Cohen on the call. And Brady and I will be down there as well, giving you live uh, reporting from Paulson Stadium. And then about the same time, volleyball taking on Texas State in Atlanta at 6.30 p.m. And then moving on to Sunday, nothing scheduled. But Monday, Monday, women's soccer in the Sun Belt Championship in Foley, Alabama. Women's basketball kicks off their season with North Georgia in the GSU Sports Arena at 6 p.m. Coach Gene Hill and the squad looking to have a fantastic 2021-2022 campaign. All sorts of good stuff coming up for the Panther family. Make sure you are involved as much as you can with all that stuff. Of course, Brady and I, again, will be down in Statesboro on Saturday for all the coverage in the big, quote-unquote, not-a-rivalry game with the Eagles of Georgia Southern. So check in with all that, and uh, otherwise, we'll see you in the next episode next week. Have a good one. Go Panthers! If you like what we do and want to help out, consider subscribing to us on Patreon. Patreon membership is just $5 a month and gets you access to a variety of exclusive content made just for our subscribers. You can also connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as at Thursday Night. And of course, you can always catch our written material on our website, ThursdayNight.com. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of and copyright 2021 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC. All rights reserved.